Spoiler alert for Things Heard and Seen, the 2021 Netflix film. We also mentioned some spoilers for Get Out, the 2017 movie, later on in the show. This episode contains brief mention of suicide and an in-depth discussion of spousal abuse and violence. Welcome to Haunted Spouse, a Haunted House podcast. I'm your ghost host, Laura Casey, and this is my Haunted Spouse and co-host, Ben. Hello. Tonight on Haunted Spouse, we'll be talking about Things Heard and Seen, the 2021 Netflix film. When I planned this season, I wanted to include a Haunted House movie from 2021, and this one looked the least bad. That said, my expectations were pretty low based on the trailer. I spent exactly zero minutes researching this film because I wanted to go in clueless. After watching the movie, we discovered that it was based on a 2017 novel called All Things Cease to Appear by Elizabeth Brundage. Once again, dark forces settled upon our household the week this episode was recorded, so if we sound a little bit off, maybe a little sick, that's why... We also, for movies, would normally watch them twice so that we make sure we can note down all the different plot points, but this time around, because of said dark forces, we were only able to watch it once. The film is about a family that moves into an old farmhouse in the late 70s or early 80s. Catherine Clare, played by Amanda Seyfried, is an art restorer who quits her job when her husband George, played by James Norton, finishes his Ph.D. and lands a tenure-track position at a liberal arts college in a small town in upstate New York. They also have a four-year-old daughter named Franny, and she is very cute. Catherine and George have a strained relationship. Throughout the film, various stressors are mentioned or alluded to. Financial difficulties while George was in his Ph.D. program, which led him to receiving money from his parents behind Catherine's back. Catherine has mental health concerns related to anxiety and disordered eating and purging behaviors. Franny has night terrors, so Catherine often lets her sleep in their bed, which angers George. Catherine has mixed feelings at best about quitting her job and moving to this small town. Over time, it becomes evident that George is often untruthful. He manipulates pretty much everyone in his life and is inappropriate with his students. He plagiarized his dissertation and claimed to be the creator of some art he displayed in his office, which he actually stole from his cousin, who drowned while boating. Speaking of boating, when Floyd, the head of George's academic department at the college, discovered that George forged the letter of recommendation from his doctoral advisor, George went boating with him and murdered him. George's colleague, Justine, tried to confront him about his extramarital affair, and George ran her car off the road, landing her in a coma. Unfortunately, it comes as no surprise that George is also manipulative, controlling, and abusive with his family. And now a little about the house. 
It, like many in the community, is a big old farmhouse, came with a piano and various other artifacts of its previous owners, which reminds me a little bit of a book I'm reading currently, The Amityville Horror. A young man named Eddie and his teenage brother Cole offer to provide landscaping, childcare, and miscellaneous home maintenance and repair services for a low fee, and Catherine takes them up on this. We later discover that these brothers were the most recent residents of this house, but that they moved out after their father killed their mother. The residents before them, who built the house, were also an abusive man who murdered his wife. Throughout the film, ghosts appear. We see the women who were killed in the house. Electronics will sometimes act as though possessed, seemingly in response to Catherine and George, particularly whenever they're in a heightened emotional state. During a seance performed in the house, Catherine learns that good spirits come to the aid of good people, and bad spirits are stirred up by bad people. It becomes evident that the women are good spirits seeking to help Catherine, but that also a certain bad person is stirring up a certain bad spirit. Ultimately, Catherine recognizes George's lies and abuse and decides she and Franny will leave him. She secretly packs and plans to leave during one of his evening classes. Meanwhile, George's slide projector is haunted by the department head he killed. Inexplicably, every slide is this one painting the department head spoke with George about, which depicts the judgment of a soul at the moment of death. George cancels class and returns home early to find Catherine trying to leave with Franny. He prevents Catherine from leaving. He sneaks a sedative into her drink and then murders her with an axe. He then returns much later and calls the police, pretending that he discovered Catherine's body. He and Franny stay with his parents in their home. After her death, Catherine's soul connects with the soul of one of the other murdered women. Together, they wake Justine from her coma and show her what George has done. Justine goes to the police and George, knowing this, takes his cousin's boat out during a storm. It is unclear whether he intended to escape or die, but either way, his boat disappears into flames and he is condemned to hell. So, one of the interesting things I noticed about this movie was that while in some ways it seems to be emulating some of those classic haunted house stories of the 70s and 80s, It also goes out of its way to subvert certain tropes that we might have been used to from that time period. In particular, some that I noticed were the townspeople, whereas normally you might have something where they're malicious, particularly in this instance where they're going to a more rural area. The trope would be you move to this rural area, you're surrounded by a bunch of weirdos, and unbeknownst to you, they're trying to do bad stuff. But in this case, the community was fairly welcoming, fairly sympathetic to the family, and even was looking out for them in some ways. And likewise, the people who showed up to perform the seance with her kind of gave off some weird vibes where you're wondering, like, oh, is this going to be kind of a culty thing? Because that's oftentimes how the trope goes, is they pose as these people there to help to commune with the spirits but they actually have some ulterior motive 
but in this case, they actually want to help, and they actually help her come to a better understanding of the ghosts in the house. Yeah, even the spirits in the house want to help. So yeah, it, it was a really interesting way to subvert our expectations. There were a lot of helpful people in the community, a lot of people looking out for her who didn't need to even like care about her, but did, and stereotypically wouldn't because she's an outsider. But in this case, they were all quite warm. And yet it still wasn't enough to save her, which I think could be a metaphor for the difficulties of getting out of an abusive relationship, especially for a woman at that time. It's still hard, but I think the further back you go and the less power and financial stability women have on their own, maybe the harder it was, I don't know. But I think it speaks to how you can have all kinds of supports and all kinds of people looking out for you and trying to help you. And still her spouse's desire to control her and keep her under his thumb and his penchant for violence still manages to win out in some way in the end. Yeah, it, it, it is kind of interesting. It almost speaks to a certain parallel because oftentimes with haunted house stories, you have this story of how difficult it is to leave the house, mm -hmm. despite there being very obvious problems. <laughs> you explain them away, and despite the warnings of other people who have experience with the house or experience with similar things, they can tell the protagonists all they want, but ultimately it is often very difficult, and often the house itself makes it very difficult to leave. And so it's interesting that in this film, we see that except in their relationship rather than necessarily the house itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because um, the house itself doesn't seem to have any power at all. It's actually the spirits in the house that presumably if there were a way for them to move on, the house would no longer be haunted. At least that's the impression that I got. Yeah. So unlike the haunting of Hill House or The Shining, where there is something about the building, not even the building. The location. Yeah. The um, space or the house itself. In this case, it really does seem like it could be any house, mm. but this just happens to be the one that has these traumas in it. Well, and it makes for kind of an interesting thing because rather than necessarily the house having agency, you end up with this almost lineage of ghosts who have been kind of watching history repeat itself. And in this case, they're the ones with the agency and they're the ones trying to exert an influence, either an influence to make history repeat itself again or an influence to finally break that cycle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I felt like that was kind of unique for this movie. Yeah, I, th I think that seems to set it apart in my mind. Like, I can't really think of much else that I've seen that, that seems to do that. I'm sure as we consume other media, we'll see more examples of that, but... This is definitely my first time seeing something that takes it in quite that direction. Yeah, 
I think we've seen themes of the house being manipulative, especially emotionally manipulative, like an abuser might be. It's interesting to see that coming out so clearly within this relationship. Like if we were to describe what the nature of this haunting is, I would describe it as it is a haunting that kind of requires certain types of couples that already have the groundwork laid, or in this case, it was clear that this had been a problematic relationship before they even set foot in the house, although we as the viewers didn't see that until things kind of progressed. The nature of it is that it takes what they're coming in with and dials it up to 10 Mm. to try to reenact the murder that happened now twice before in this pattern. So it's almost a quote-unquote special haunted house that is for a special or a specific type of relationship. Whereas Mm. I wonder if the idea is that it wouldn't have attracted another family or that's why it's vacant in between is because it's waiting for a family that most closely fits what it's looking for. So maybe a family with a different type of dynamic or discord, they might still have problems. But Mm. it's looking for one that will fulfill the requirements of its particular type of dark magic. Yeah, because now that I think about it, whereas in some haunted house stories, there's a bit of maybe taking certain characteristics of a character and maybe twisting them or molding them against their will. But in this case he already comes in on his way to becoming a monster and at one point in the film is actively welcoming the evil spirit to help him and so it's kind of an interesting change to see that like he was already kind of on that track and the house doesn't really change him or force him to do anything it just like you said dials up everything that he was already doing So that raises the question, too, if this couple had not come to this house, would they have met a similar ending eventually, do you think? Hmm. I kind of think yes. I don't know that he ever did anything that he wouldn't have been... Like, there was no supernatural element to what he ultimately did. I think think maybe the house accelerated the timeline for them because he had too many lies in play to never get found out. And it gets into this interesting thing because because of his lies, they had to go to this middle of nowhere upstate school because he had to pick somewhere that wasn't going to have many connections to his doctoral program he even had to have certain things hidden from his own family like the paintings that Mm -hmm. he claimed were his because they had no idea they thought the paintings disappeared and it just kind of feels like something was bound to happen eventually whether or not that still would have ended in murder or not i don't know if maybe if things would have escalated slowly enough for her to finally get out or if it would have been like a boiling water thing where she wouldn't real was still wouldn't realize things until it was too late. 
I agree with you. I, I think it would have happened eventually, or it would have been likely to happen without the house's influence. It just might not have happened so quickly. And maybe there would have been more opportunity for her to get out. Um, but I also think that in the cycle of abuse, that's kind of how it goes sometimes, is that as soon as she figures out what she needs to know to get out is kind of the trigger for him to start being over the top in his trying to keep her in, which can sometimes escalate to violence as much as murder. Yeah. And there's also the fact that had they not left, she still would have been employed and would have been closer to support structures and things like that, which would have had her in a potentially better place to leave him sooner if she wouldn't have had the like, oh, but how will, like, what will I do for support and things like that, that by taking her away from her connections and her support structures and her job out to this other place, which again, that might have been something that he would have tried to do eventually anyway, if he felt that he needed more control. The good spirits in the house were helping her as yeah. well. And so without the house, she wouldn't have that either. That's a good point. Oh, yeah, because they kind of encouraged her to, to, like, learn the history of the house, which he was actively trying to hide from her. I think they also provided some kind of emotional support or solidarity for her as well. Hmm. Some less, like, tangible assistance, I think. Yeah. Hmm. Were there any other subversion of tropes you wanted to talk about? I can't really think of much. Yeah. Do you have any? It seems like the ghosts being, some of them being good is a little bit of a subversion. Because we're set up to like think that they're evil at first, I think, because they're scary. Mm. Yeah, because when at least one of the ghosts is introduced, I think, isn't she like sitting in the rocking chair in Franny's room? Mm -hmm. And Franny gets scared. And so they're definitely introduced in ways that are supposed to make us fear them, even though that ultimately gets turned around yeah and specifically to the brothers that they hire i was suspicious of like the whole time which i think is another red herring yeah they put them there for you to question their motives and why they seem so adamant to help out around this house and then when you find out their previous residence then you wonder like what their connection was with the house or what their role is Oh, one trope that it also kind of subverts. There is no conflict between Catherine and the woman George is cheating on her with. Because if anything, she also kind of ends up being supportive because she also realizes how terrible of a person George is Mm -hmm. and kind of gets fed up with him. But at no point is this ever seen as like a conflict between her and Catherine, but more so just them both realizing how bad of a person George is. Yeah. So it kind of subverts that a little bit where other movies might have played that as a point of contempt or something. Yeah, I like that about this one because that never made that much sense to me. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, I get why people do it psychologically because they're trying to reduce the amount of damage and if they can just blame the other person then they don't have to like look at their relationship yeah um but at the same time like from a 
detached perspective, it doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that reminds me too. I appreciated that the person that he cheats on Catherine with, her name is Willis, doesn't get like the short end of the stick for playing that other woman role because a lot of the time there's morality and very frequently with horror, the morality is particularly strong against women who, let's see, how do I want to phrase that? (laughs) Women who are intimate with a lot of people or with people who are already in relationships. But it was really refreshing that in this case, nothing happened to her. She didn't get unnecessarily killed or hurt and he didn't kill her either. So that was refreshing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and she somewhat plays an important role in the story as well, because she's friends with the brothers and acts as a source of information for them so that they're kind of in the know on what's going on. According to Wikipedia, she's cousins with them. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. I don't know if they got that from the book, maybe. Oh, that could be. That's the other thing, too, is that with this movie, there were a few moments where there were things where it's like, it felt like this was missing context, and so a few instances where I'll be interested to revisit if we read the book and see if that gives us the context we need for a few things. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way. Like, this is really random. I don't know what it's doing in this movie. (laughs) Uh We're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we will talk about the ending. So would you call the ending satisfying, or were you dissatisfied with it? Yes. (laughs) Um, Explain. (laughs) Initially, I was a little unsatisfied by the ending. It feels a little weird. Mm -hmm. Maybe the book's different, but it felt like that was the first time the movie leaned into surrealism. Mm -hmm. Up until that point, it was as rooted as a ghost story can be in a fairly realistic framing, I felt like. I sort of agree, but sort of not, because we noticed that the supernatural elements, it seemed like they were using some effects that kind of reminded us of that time frame in technology of digital effects. And then also, it felt like it kind of made sense We're talking stylistically here, not, like, so much about the content yet, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Well, stylistically and a little bit content, I think. Stylistically, it made sense to me because the movie was almost doing what this artwork does, where it's these realistic scenes, but Mm. there is some level of surrealism or, like, symbolism going on inserted into these realistic looking scenes because you see light or flames or whatever that is supposed to depict heaven and hell but we don't really see them like that in real life and so to me that feels like that is in the same tradition okay yeah i can see that it's a little like campy over the top larger than life but I kind of like it because I feel like it is on theme. And if you're going to go for it, you might as well just go for it. 
Well, because I think what it felt like for me was this shift from up until that point, a lot of it is very symbolic, like you said. Mm-hmm. Like you have these things symbolizing heaven and hell. And then it ends with, no, he just sails into a painting of hell. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like maybe that was the oh. moment when it went from symbolic to literal. Yeah. And that felt a little weird. Ultimately, I think I liked it. But it was definitely a sh- it felt like a shift that I wasn't expecting. I could definitely see that. I think I feel similarly to what you're describing. For me, I didn't like it when it happened as much because I kind of needed to sit with it and understand why they took that approach. But to me, there's something kind of fantastical and fun about that. Mm. Like, I can't decide if I'm bothered or not by the fact that it kind of makes the whole thing seem less real. But I kind of also like it as a little bit of a fable or a um, parable. Yeah. Especially because it's set in the 70s and 80s, which to us is technically history. Yeah. Um, that we were not alive for. So I don't know. I kind I of there, I kind of yeah. like it. Well, I guess there is something kind of fitting that all the people that he murders or attempts to murder are art people. Mm-hmm. And so for him to have an artistic downfall feels fitting. Yeah, I, I like that too. Like if he's going to mess with this art world <laughs> specifically that works with Very that... spiritual yeah. art. Yeah, uh-huh. Then he better be ready for the consequences. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's what is so intriguing about that art style as well, which I don't know very much about it. I took a couple art history classes in college and high school, and it's feeling very, very far in the recesses of my memory. But I think that style is a little bit romantic, you might say, or at least in terms of the fantastical theming and everything. It kind of reminds me of that too. To have such a dramatic ending for this really horrible <laughs> true monster is kind of cool. I, I think uh, I'm kind of into it. Yeah. Well, and I think that ties into the other reason of why I initially felt kind of unsatisfied with the ending, but then on further reflection, I started to feel a little more satisfied. And that was that initially I was disappointed that she still ends up dying. That felt like a bit of a letdown, especially Mm -hmm. in the sense that, yes, that's probably the more realistic outcome, but I had kind of felt like this movie had done a lot to kind of subvert expectations, and so I thought maybe it was going to turn out that the help of these ghosts was going to be able to save her. Yeah, that was what was going to finally make the difference, and her character wasn't as emotionally beaten down as a lot of women are in these narratives. And so if anybody was going to get out of it, it seemed like logical to the character that it would be this one, you know? Because, yeah, like she's been holding her own this whole time and she's been trying to take things into her own hands as much as she can, I think. And seeing the ghosts successfully protect her at times, like slamming doors shut to keep him away from her Mm -hmm. and things like that and realizing that oh these ghosts actually do have the power to protect her in some ways and she is doing a lot to work with that as well 
Yeah. And I think as you're watching it, though, there's also a part of you that knows, like, that would be too cute of an ending if it was just a girl power thing and she came together with these ghosts and they really gave him the what for and (laughs) really foiled his plans and he was hoisted by his own petard. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it would have also been disappointing if it had gone that route. Yeah. Well, and I will say it does kind of still get to lean into that Mm -hmm. girl power thing because, I don't know, the sense I got was that her death tipped the balance in favor of the good spirits. They finally had that one more person, and obviously that's when they're able to wake up Justine Mm -hmm. and ultimately able to pool their power (laughs) together enough to just send George straight to hell. Yeah. (laughs) And I do think that was kind of what turned it around for me was when I was trying to think through, okay, why is he going out there in this boat right now? Mm -hmm. Like, he's not going to escape. And my theory is that maybe he was going out there to try and kill himself. But instead, they were able to step in and say, oh, no, we're not letting you get away with this, here, have a one-way ticket, Mm -hmm. and kind of got a final... uh, They got the last word. Yeah. Yeah. And so whether or not that is enough to say that that justifies her death or anything, because I know sometimes movies will try and do that, where it'll be like, yeah, we killed this character, but as a ghost this person got to have their comeuppance and it's like, well, Mm -hmm. they died in the first, like, (laughs) (laughs) or it's like, because this person died or something tragic happened to this person, it really turned the main character. Who's always like a guy around Uh and made him see things differently. So it was worth it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Things like that. But I think this avoids digging too far into that kind of trope. I don't know. What do you think? Even though I said earlier that like, I, would have been annoyed a little bit or it would have been disappointing if they had taken it the girl power route such that she doesn't die because either the ghosts step in and protect her or like wake her up from the sedation and she's able to fight back or whatever while that wouldn't quite have felt like it fit I'm still like emotionally disappointed that she did die And it's still hard to take, and it's still part of the reason that this movie is so heavy to me still, even with a kind of happy ending. I don't even know. I can't call it a happy ending, but a slightly more satisfying ending to me, because it is tragic that she died, and in such a violent way, especially. And I think it's additionally heavy and tragic because women, I mean, men too, but more frequently, Mm. women die at the hands of their abusive spouses more commonly than in a lot of other murder scenarios, you know? Yeah. And knowing that that speaks to reality is very heavy, even beyond the fact that I liked this character. Yeah. But in terms of whether... His ending Mm. is satisfying. I think it is. I like that it walks the middle ground between her being killed and the cycle continuing and 
her fighting back and against all odds with these ghosts, like, killing him or something. Hmm. I think it's, like, nicely in the middle. And there is... I do enjoy that poetic justice (laughs) of Justine, (laughs) which, I don't know, I feel like that's why she's named that, Um, being able to come up and make sure he doesn't get away with it. Yeah. And I think, to me, that feels like... I don't know if metaphor is too heavy-handed, but it it feels like the hashtag Me Too thing where we can't undo that somebody has experienced sexual assault or abuse, but speaking about it and helping to bring people to justice and making sure that other people know... Mm -hmm which protects other vulnerable people from being taken advantage of and just talking about the issue in general. Hmm. All of those things, I think, are ways of making it even the slightest bit better. You know, it's not going to... We can't unkill Catherine, but what can we do to Hmm. try to make things just a little more right, I guess? Yeah. Well, because now the next couple that moves into that house there's a lot stronger force for good present now than there had been previously Mm -hmm, because he didn't die in the house Mm -hmm. and now franny isn't gonna be raised by him as a single father either or how whatever he chooses to do yeah in the future however that would yeah he's not gonna find someone else and then abuse them in the same way well maybe she'll end up with justine she seemed cool she probably Both won't, of her gran- pairs of grandparents are still alive, so I'm assuming yeah, she'll end up with You wouldn't send her to the grandparents of the guy oh, that they, killed yeah, her they mom, wouldn't. right? I don't think so. I would hope not. But then, oh, that was the other thing, though, is that we don't actually see the outcome in terms mm. of the police, and I feel like it doesn't matter as much because the killer is now dead. Yeah. But that was something that was giving me a lot of stress mm. in the movie was that... The sheriff had a sense that George was lying, but was lacking the evidence to be able to do much. And that was giving me a lot of stress because it Uh was going to be an even harder blow if he managed to get away with it, like, right in front of everyone. Yeah. They almost get a divine retribution at the end Mm -hmm. because at least in the theology of this story... He is now getting the ultimate punishment. Yeah. He would have managed to escape with minimal issue, most likely, with the police. But there's no escaping what he's headed toward now. Mm -hmm. And so there is something kind of satisfying about the fact that rather than receiving this temporary worldly punishment, he receives a divine spiritual punishment that that is highly permanent yes (laughs) no purgatory or any kind of like in between space or anything for him Uh, or reduced time for good behavior (laughs) exactly reduced time for good behavior like yeah nothing like that no probation (laughs) i'm sad for franny too though i know she's so sweet yeah although i was so relieved that nothing happened to her 
because mm. I get so worried when there are children in these movies because I'm worried they're either going to be creepy and possessed <laughs> or I'm worried that something bad is going to happen to them. Yeah. And that was kind of the interesting thing, too, where there was a little bit of, to go back earlier, a little bit of a subversion where the ghost originally scares her by, like, sitting in the rocking chair in her room. But I'm pretty sure the ghost was actually sitting in there watching over her mm-hmm. during yeah, those times. Yeah, I think so, too. And so, like, that was kind of sweet. Yeah. And that also speaks to the person that is more likely to hurt and abuse you is the person in your own family <laughs> versus the random stranger jumping out of the bush in your new town or whatever. Mm-hmm. I had an interesting thought. I don't know if this will end up having a place in Is it the that podcast. everything I say is a downer this episode? <laughs> yes. Just kidding. No. <laughs> well, it's a sad movie and it is yes. heavy and that's part of the reason that I just could not get myself to watch it again the first night that I was finally not feeling totally sick. Yeah. So I had a thought for an interesting different direction. The scene where he's coming after her with the axe and ultimately murders her. A different direction that could have gone. And maybe this wouldn't have been right for this movie. It probably wouldn't have. But in the context of a movie subverting haunted house tropes and general horror tropes, I would have been interested to see, because she has been sedated by the pills that he's given her, it would have been so interesting if one of the ghosts... Because we saw the ghosts kind of help her and like try and help like lead her up the stairs... But what if one just full-on possessed her? Oh, yeah. Because usually the trope is that that's a bad thing and you don't want it to happen. And also, generally, in a possession, you see, like, the person will have, like, unnatural abilities and things like Uh that. So, like, and again, maybe this wouldn't have been right for this movie, but give me a movie where somebody gets possessed and it's a good thing. Uh Uh-huh. And, and it scares her abusive husband Exactly. That'd be great. Like, she gets possessed (laughs) by one of the ghosts and then just, like stands up and takes the axe away from him. (laughs) And now it's a horror movie for him. Yes. (laughs) I like that. But I also feel like there's no way for this to be true to reality, which it doesn't have to be, but I feel like that takes away some of the the meaning of it and the gravity. Oh, absolutely. Um, Which is why I say this would be for a different movie, I think, than this one. Maybe more of like a horror action film or something like that, whereas this felt like more of a drama I feel like, or a thriller. Or maybe I'm just falling into that thing where I'm like, well, if the woman doesn't die, then is it really even telling you anything? So maybe that's on me. I don't know. We can have happy movies too. Absolutely. I think the way this one went works with the overall story and with what it was trying to do. Um, I mean, and it helped explain why on earth they kept talking about this one artist and like had these heaven and hell themes throughout like i i like that because sometimes they're just sprinkled in for Mm. like no apparent reason and there were some aspects of this movie that felt sprinkled in like we talked about yeah but i really like that he had such a poetic ending in a movie full of art historians that feels right to me yeah i was gonna ask too do you feel like this is in the same tradition as 
get out or does that not make sense as a connection? I could see that in the sense of like horror that is trying to reflect and or amplify a truth about society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Um, we watched Get Out a long time ago, so I'm trying to remember the ending, but I remember it not being like a happy ending. Does he get out? Huh. Yes, because he ends up... That one actually is one where you. I think he does kind of get the spoilers for <laughs> Get Out. Um, does he get the people? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he ends up like... The house burns down, and I believe he escapes, if I recall correctly. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good example of how, contrary to what I was saying, these movies don't necessarily have to have a tragic ending, and instead they can do the work of providing an ending in which people who are marginalized can take an empowered role and initiate action for themselves in these stories of oppression, which we see both in fiction more and more now and Mm. in real life stories as well. Yeah. There's value in depicting life and the world as it is. And there's also value in depicting life and the world as it could be. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's a little bit of the difference is sometimes what's needed is to provide a metaphor or just a direct look at how things are. Or an expression of the feelings Mm. rather than necessarily what logically you think ought to happen. I think these can often play a role as an expression of just what it feels like to be there or what it feels like to keep watching the same story of injustice happening over and over again. Mm. And I think that's really important, too. Yeah. So, overall, did you like it? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I did. It's probably not going to be one of those ones where I'm like, oh, I just keep coming back to this one type of movies. It's emotional labor. (laughs) Yes. It's emotional labor... There's just some some weird bits where, like I mentioned earlier, things that seem like there was more to them in the book that just didn't make it into the final cut of the movie. Little weird bits like that, but on the whole, like I really enjoyed watching the movie. I'm really happy that we have modern films that are kind of taking a look back at those 70s and 80s horror and reimagining them in ways that are more empowering than the originals were and that maybe take a more take a more nuanced approach to life and storytelling um yeah i enjoyed it and i hope it's a good sign for the future of these types of movies mhm i kind of want to watch it again because i know the ending now and i'm Kind of curious to look for those themes through it again. Mm. But I'm not sure, honestly, if I will, because (laughs) I liked it the way I liked Promising Young Woman. (laughs) Yeah. And Squid Game. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. uh, One of those things where it's like, very good. Don't have it in me to watch that again. Yeah. Like, it's... um, 
it feels really important, but also it's kind of excruciating because of empathy. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to do some ratings. On a scale of one to five, how spooky is things heard and seen? This one's actually a little bit difficult, and I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a four. And I think what makes it a little bit difficult to rate it on spookiness is that some of the ghosts are good. That, in my mind, does make this a little less spooky. However, for a good portion of the movie, we don't know they're good. And so some of the things are still spooky because we don't know exactly what's going on. I don't know. I feel like I got pretty spooked at times. Um, The trailer really didn't give us much to go off of, so I was really coming in without knowing anything, which is I think was made for a good experience, and I th- think made it fairly spooky. What do you think? As far as spookiness goes, I will say that although I liked the movie, like I said, if you are fetus squeamish like I am, there is one scene that was not important to the plot at all that you can just skip if you want. Hmm. Um, when she loses the ring down the drain, just skip ahead five or <laughs> ten minutes, probably. But other than that, there's not really that much gore, which is kind of the thing that tends to get me the most, um, mm. except for the axe murder. <laughs> <laughs> that, that tiny thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like you said, having the ghosts be nice ghosts makes them less scary. Yeah. Um, and for me, a lot of it is the after I'm done watching the movie, if there's like a certain really visually scary scene, then I spend a lot of time being like, oh, don't think about that scene. And then I like make myself think about it because I have intrusive thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) But I still kind of want to give it a five because Mm. that specter of domestic violence and manipulation throughout the movie is very disturbing because it is so very realistic. And then to be isolated like she was Mm. physically out in the small town socially isolated as well it just stresses me out so much that she is so i don't know on her own yeah that it's scary to think about if she recognizes what's going on and then decides she wants to leave how trapped she is Mm. and that being trapped is horrifying in its own because even to physically get out of there depends on her having a car, that car having gas, her being able to sneak out without him finding out. And that's all, well, didn't work out for her. yeah. Yeah. And then also having her daughter that she needs to take care of too and keep her safe as a priority. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. So yeah, five from me. Five. I'm also realizing George is kind of a spooky person to be around because... Oh, that scene with Justine? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. They're in this weird, like, seesaw gazebo situation. I've never yeah. seen this before. It's kind of it cool. It looks pretty cool. I want or one. Or it could make you queasy. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, did he frame it as playing a game at first? I think so. I can't remember. something that involved him, like, grabbing her wrists and then increasingly tightening his grip on her wrists despite her 
telling him to stop. And then I think she finally, I don't remember what she did to finally get him I to stop. I think he just did stopped. He just stop? But the point of it was to show that he is willing to go outside of what is socially acceptable mm. and that he's willing to hurt somebody or restrain them and that he has physical power over her. Yeah. So I think it was the control slash intimidation thing to keep her away from Catherine. Was that? Ah. I don't remember what the context was. Yeah. Oh, was that when she was making certain implications to him with regards to uh, what she tends to notice when a, a lot of the female students form up around a male professor and mm-hmm. what some of her... She kind of had some made some implications as to what her assumptions are when things like that happen. Mm-hmm. There's a good chance her assumptions were correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, then he demonstrated his power, I guess. His physical strength and his lack of inhibition Yes. around using that to his advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, he is a spooky guy. Yeah, because honestly, the picture you end up getting of him between that and him talking about how he wrote himself the letter of recommendation he felt he deserved and things like that, like mm-hmm. you really start to get a picture of e- even without ghosts, this guy could carry a decent spooky rating with him. Yeah, there's also a scene where he is speeding on a windy road and refuses to slow down even though his wife is scared by this driving. And I think they're like in the middle of an argument and then Mm -hmm. that makes it worse. And the argument that they have reminds me of the argument in the 10 minute all too well music video. Oh yeah. And it is tough to watch. Yes. Anyway. Yep. Uh, (laughs) Now that we've recounted all the traumatic bits. (laughs) Exactly. So how haunted is it? I'd say it's a four on hauntedness. And here's why. Okay. Because I feel like we definitely see, visually we see spirits. But the main spirit that we ought to be worried about, Mm. we don't actually see. Mm. Which is fine. I mean, it, that might actually make it scarier. I'm not sure. But um, I would say in terms of hauntedness, they could have just gone a little bit more in mm. terms of making this a haunted house. Or, like we kind of talked about, there could have been more of, like, the house has its own influence. Yeah. So I'm not really complaining. I'm just yeah. saying that's what mm, keeps it as a four for me instead of a five. Hmm. Like, if you have to come up with criteria for how you would rank this like yeah you kind of have to get into the uh picking on some of those differences there not everyone can have straight a's and in fact i don't think anybody has so far oh on our rating system we don't give away a lot of fives so we really don't yeah it's because we're not the first movie that gets three fives there gets six fives I don't know. I don't know if we'll we'll get there. I don't know. Hmm. Well, if listeners, if you know of a piece of media that you think could get all fives from us, then send that in. We'll check it out. Yeah, let us know. Yeah. Although I guess if you're sending it in for that purpose, then we'll be primed (laughs) in advance. So 
We Incept can, it can into us. We can just take recommendations without them saying it's because it... That's true. Because that's Send also us the not, like, totally the point. <laughs> Don't tell us that that's why you're sending it to us so that we're not primed in advance. Or if you're able to do some kind of Inception thing to make us think that, like, that was our own idea, then Because this that. is scientific. Exactly. <laughs> we will not be swayed. <laughs> we go into this fully... This is a double-blind podcast, okay? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, anyway, I give it a four as well. <laughs> Checks out. Yep. On a scale of one to five, mm. how spousy is things heard and seen? Okay. I'm going to give it a four. What? What? Really? Are you thinking it should get a five because yeah. there's a spouse? But they're bad spouses. Okay. Oh, I forgot that. Okay, this is what's going to be tricky about trying to find uh-huh. one that gets all fives is that you and I define these scales differently also. <laughs> and so, What is that called? The, um, oh, shoot. I'm, I can't ooh, think of it. Is today. there a name for? There's a word for um, how you define your operational definition. Oh. Our operational definitions for the constructs that we're rating differs yes which we kind of did on purpose a little bit because we're contrary (laughs) anyway and that's where yeah i don't know i don't know if them being bad spouses makes this movie less spousy because the movie definitely gets points for having a number of spouses as well because there's a history of spouses in the house and there are some good spouses too like justine and her husband seem really happy and cool with whatever it is they're doing and i think there's like the the sheriff and the um is she the librarian the real estate agent oh the real estate agent yes. yeah who looks like the librarian it's also fun like the small town thing where you can just say the real estate agent because she is the town's real estate agent <laughs> and <laughs> there's just one of everybody <laughs> um so I don't know. I'm almost talking myself into a five, but now I don't know if I can do it because you told me I should have given it a five. Yeah. <laughs> I gave my rating away. You know what, though? Given the fact that also the haunting is based around a history of spouses in the house and not even just a current set of spouses, I'll give it a five. That's kind of what I was thinking, actually, was that a spousal conflict is the entire core of what the story is about and then that links back Mm -hmm. to the hauntings as well and the previous residents of the home all of that was entirely spousal in nature not to say that you couldn't have the same abusive patterns but in this case it was all spouses Mm. and so to me that makes it pretty spousy yeah um And then add to that, like you were saying, that there are so many other spousal pairings that we see throughout the movie makes me feel like this movie is all about spousiness. I mean, not good spousiness. No. But it's all about... um, It's an integral part of the story. Yes. You can't can't remove the spousal pairing (laughs) or the spousal relationship without taking away this entire story. Yeah. Um, They are definitely not a good spousal pairing, but in some ways I think we can even learn more from the bad relationships than a perfectly idealized one anyway. Yeah. Um, Which to me makes it feel like that theme is richer. And so again, pushing more, even more on like a high spousal rating. So 
Yeah. I'm giving it a five, like I said. Ta-da! Well, that about does it for our show. Thank you for joining us as we explored things heard and seen. If you're new to Haunted Spouse, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five spook review. Reviews help us get our show out there and help listeners find the podcast. So, if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, you can suggest a rating category that we will use in an upcoming show. If you have comments, topic suggestions, or just want to say hi, send us an email at hauntedspousepod at gmail.com, and you can find us on social media at Haunted Spouses. Thanks for listening, and remember... When there's only one set of footprints going up the stairs, that's when the ghosts were carrying you. Just kidding. Um, um.